This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal. In Port Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. This is Nation Network Radio on the voice of Vancouver Sports, TSN 1040. Now, here's John Abbott and J.D. Burke. What Daniel and Henrik have meant to the Canucks, to the city, to the province, we could go on and on about that. Game 81 was so special. Hopefully there is some of that magic left, some of that sedinery left for Game 82. Have yet to get to Adam Gaudet and the Hobie Baker win. We can talk about what's coming up for the Vancouver Canucks when we turn the page and Monday's locker cleanout day. National Hockey League has some pretty important games going on. Philadelphia Flyers get a win and clinch their spot in the postseason. Claude Giroux. Is he up for the Hart Trophy? In the conversation now, I believe, if he wasn't before. Blues in the avalanche play and what could decide, what will decide that final spot in the West in all likelihood. And the Blackhawks and Winnipeg Jets on the ice in warm-up with Broncos in stitched into where the names on the backs of the jerseys would be. Both teams paying their respect to the Humboldt Broncos team, the town, the community, the family, the friends that have lost loved ones. We give our thoughts and prayers to all those involved in that tragic accident. Uh, We continue to review reaction from the hockey world and the hockey family. And so many emotions attached to this, even from the very outside, everyone feeling and reeling for the Humboldt Broncos and their community. Ashton Sautner of the Vancouver Canucks has family involved, his pre- his, the president rather, of the Broncos, Kevin Geringer, was not part of the accident, but now is part of the aftermath in trying to deal with so many that he is known and loved. And Ashton Sautner was one of the many that wanted to speak to the media and did so this morning in Edmonton. Junior hockey like that, you spent a lot of hours on the bus. Um, you know, I did it for four years and still do it down the American League too, so uh, very tough news to hear. Did you know anybody else in the organization, any of the players? Or um, my cousin uh, was actually good friends with the assistant coach. Um, but other than that, I don't know any of the, any of the players. Um, but, uh, you know, send in prayers to their families for sure. But just to clarify, it's your uncle that kind of has a connection? Yeah, my uncle's the, uh, the president of the team. Um, I was just saying he okay. had to go back yesterday and make a statement. You know, the funny thing about that, the bus is always a safe haven for players. Everybody who's played the pocket at some point has ridden a bus. It's uh, it's shocking to think this happens because it's probably the last thing you, you think about on the bus because you're hanging with your buds and having a good time, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a place where you should feel safe. You spend a lot of hours on it. Uh, junior hockey, travel all over province. Um, it's, uh, yeah, obviously it's a lot of movies and stuff like that with your buddies on the bus. It's uh, it's always, you know, supposed to be a fun time, and um, when you have something like that happen, it's uh, it's terrible. What do you think a team like means to that community? Oh, yeah, everything. I mean, my my hometown is uh, is Kinner, so that's where I spend the summers. Um, they have a junior team there as well, and I know that you know the uh, the community supports them, and um, you know it's their team, and I'm sure it's the same in Humboldt too. Um, I know uh, my dad, my dad coached in that league too, and um, you know, fans there are very passionate. And um, yeah, like I said, it's just terrible news. It's tough to reflect on and difficult to go through it. Again, we we stand with the, the families involved with the Humboldt Broncos and. It is a willingness from the NHL community to get involved as well. Mention the efforts from the Nation Network mm-hmm. with uh, T-shirts and all the the entire percentage of proceeds going right back to Humboldt, the Vancouver Canucks, 
via Twitter. I have a link to the GoFundMe page. Over a million dollars raised already to try and help support that community. There wasn't a coach or player preparing for a game today that didn't want to give their thoughts and condolences to that hockey community in Humboldt. Um, Saskatchewan's such a great hotbed for hockey, both coaches and players and so many others, that it does cut deep as well into the National Hockey League. As broadcasters, we all feel attached to it. Brian Munns from TSN in Winnipeg was on with Bob Marjanovic before we were getting to air and Munzee as we would call him uh, has that personal connection being from the Humboldt area at least growing up in Humboldt for a time and started kickstarted his broadcasting career with the same hockey team and you do put yourself in that position a little bit where as JD said if you've whether you've been involved in a team sport of any kind that requires any travel this is the worst imaginable outcome and certainly if you've been on a bus as I have spent over eight years riding the buses uh, does hit, it does hit home and you just cannot believe what has happened and for Brian Munns it was a particularly touching day we were very fortunate to have caught up with him and we will have a listen into that as we move along in the broadcast uh, as much as National League hockey guys have a game to focus on tonight, many of which across the league hold great weight in the standings. Everybody this morning taking time to give their their best to the Humboldt Broncos and their community. Uh, Daniel and Henrik, no exception, as you would expect. Henrik Sedin, the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, who's completing his career tonight. You heard Derek Dorsett suggest that he was one of the guys that had the news first and was keeping up with it. Means a lot to Henrik to give his best, and we'll let him do that now. Yeah, sad news for sure. It's uh, uh, we, we like you said, we had dinner last night with the team, and uh, we got the updates and the news, and uh, it's just terrible. I mean, uh, a lot of guys, uh, new people involved, uh, not directly, but and I'm sure as things move forward, there's going to be more news coming out. So it's uh, sad news. Some of the Canadian players, especially the guys that are in the West and have the long bus trips, have an appreciation for it. Can you compare anything like that to, to Sweden, like in terms of how you? Try travel from game to game and things like that when you're younger? Yeah, we, we I mean, we didn't travel as far, but when we played in, in Moda, we, our longest bus ride was uh, four or five hours. Uh, but it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of times it's bad conditions and uh, you would think it would happen more often, but uh, luckily it's not, but it's uh, still when it happens, it's, uh, like I said, terrible news. Does it put uh, a different perspective on your final game? Yeah, I think so for sure. There's, uh, there's more important things in life than, than uh, retiring from a game that you uh, that you've been able to play for a long time. So that's uh, that's for sure. Well said from the captain. Again on the ice as we speak, the Blackhawks and the Winnipeg Jets linking arms, the two teams around center ice. The Hawks in white jerseys with Broncos on the back where normally the individual player names would go. The Jets in their blue jerseys, same description, Broncos on the nameplate area. Alternating Winnipeg Jet, Chicago Blackhawk, Winnipeg Jet, Chicago Blackhawk.
linked in arms around Jets logo in a circle at center ice, taking a moment of silence to recognize the victims. May they rest in peace. The teammates that survived. The organization, the families, the friends, all involved in the Humboldt Broncos tragedy. And this is where sport is different. And it does connect so many. And we will hear from Brian's, Brian Munn's Jets, one of the Jets play-by-play men. But what a show of class by the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Uh, Mike Babcock, Saskatchewan native, talking this morning ahead of the Leafs presser and Maple Leafs preparing for special pregame ceremonies as well. No doubt in Edmonton they'll be doing the same thing as the Canucks and Oilers get ready to play game 82. And the Vancouver Connection, Milan Lucic, Reflects on his days in junior and how difficult a day like yesterday was. I think uh, the whole hockey world is definitely uh, uh, saddened with uh, the news coming out of Saskatchewan uh, with the with the Broncos bus there. So. Um, Obviously, you know, not not much to say other than, you know, you feel for the families that are affected by it. You know, you know, I, I played three years of junior and, and spent a lot of time on the bus, so... Um, you know, just, that was that was kind of the first thing that crossed my mind when when I got the news about uh, the tragedy that happened yesterday. It was you know how much how much time I had spent on the bus and stuff like that, and and yeah, just like I said, just just saddened by the news and uh, thoughts and prayers go out to all the families and friends and everyone affected by it. Even those trips you took through the Coquihalla when you're playing with the Giants, Luch, I mean, you never thought about it because it's your safe haven, right? The bus was always your safe place exactly yeah it was those bus rides were always um you know like you said your safe place and um you know nothing like that ever crossed your mind you're just sitting there relaxing um you know in the middle of the winter like you said going through the coquihalla was you know was dangerous at times but you know never anything never any close calls or anything like that so like you said it was one of those things where it was a time of of, of relaxation you kind of had uh, peace of mind and 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 all that type of stuff when you're sitting on a bus so uh, it's just really tragic and unfortunate that that something like this happened your best times are on the bus too right with your buddy just yeah, I was just think, I was thinking about that as well. You know, uh, some of the best uh, junior memories that you create are on the bus and getting to know your teammates and getting to know, you know, establish some pretty uh, pretty good friendships. Is is hanging out on the bus, playing cards, watching movies together, playing games, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's one of those things where um, you know, bus rides are usually. Uh, made for, for good memories and, and, and not memories like this. You played your junior in a big city, but you would go into some of these Saskatchewan cities. Do you have appreciation for what the junior hockey team means in a, in a city like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, especially uh, you know little towns, they they rally around their uh, junior hockey teams and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I'm sure the whole the whole town is is affected by something like this, and it's just uh, like I said, it's just it's very tragic and unfortunate that you know uh, a town like that is affected by it, and and even the whole hockey world. Credit to all the players and coaches that weighed in today. It continues to be on our hearts and minds. We will bring you. Reaction from uh, Brian Munns, a friend of ours on the program, so we think of him as well. Uh, and, of course, all the, the families involved as we 
We appreciate those that are having to go through a difficult moment, letting them know we support them. And for those that are grieving in their own ways, uh, we'll continue to go through it on Nation Network Radio. But when we come back uh, after Brian Munns, we will talk about the Canucks and Oilers, the Sedin's last game, and the seemingly bright future for the Vancouver Canucks. Nation Network Radio presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 1040. It's been obviously horrific for everybody. And, uh, you know, when I got the call yesterday, I found out probably 10, 15 minutes after the accident itself happened that it was on the phone most of the night with uh, a lot of the people involved and then just based on the fact of, you know, relationships around the area. I knew a number of the first responders that were out there and, and obviously involved firsthand and got an update probably uh, you know within an hour or so that uh, you know the number was probably going to be about as high as it was and it, uh, it's tough you feel for the families of the players obviously losing a son with an opportunity that wanted to go on to a great career and you know for the staff they lost uh, parents as well they had some young kids so it, uh, it's one of the biggest tragedies that uh, Canada's seen and as I said earlier on uh, unfortunately it happened in my hometown that is voice of Brian Brian Munns of TSN out of Winnipeg, play-by-play guy with the Jets, analyst and host in Winnipeg as well. We thank him uh, for his time on our station with Bob Marjanovic earlier, and uh, we'd like to recognize that, yes, that affects so many. Uh, so thoughts uh, with Munzee, of course, it goes without saying, although we've stated it, uh, continue to think about all involved in the uh, tragic accident with the Humboldt Broncos. We've brought you reaction throughout the National Hockey League, uh, throughout the uh, first hour and into hour number two here, Nation Network Radio. John Abbott, J.D. Burke, powered by Shark Club, Sports Bar and Grill. Games in the National Hockey League, uh, now a large chunk of them have commenced, and so we will uh, continue to pay our respect but shift our focus to the Canucks and Edmonton Oilers and the bright spot after recognizing the brilliant career of Daniel and Henrik Sedin will be what's to come for the Vancouver Canucks JD and it started it started this year with the emergence of Brock Besser and exactly how he took the league by storm and what is uh, still his true rookie season after playing just over a handful of games last year the Vancouver Canucks and uh difficult that he had to have his career or career his season end in injury this hopefully not this year no not his career far from that and we got our taste of how dominant he can be so fast and so quick uh, in the national hockey league and maybe that was a bit surprising but i think we did have an expectation level for the type of player that brock besser was and could turn into as well as how well he thinks the game and uh, the mentality that he brings. And so it was maybe easier to gauge his transition from the college ranks to the National Hockey League. And we've had the benefit of watching Bo Horvat for, for four years now and potentially taking a larger part of the leadership role moving forward. And so fans are familiar with him. But I really didn't know how the game of Adam Gaudet would transfer to the National Hockey League level. Gaudet has played four games with the Vancouver Canucks, taking home the Hobie Baker trophy, which is rarefied air, not only for the program he came from, leading Northeastern to a Beanpot title this year. He is their very first Hobie Baker winner, Northeastern Huskies in the NCAA he is one of the few on the Canucks list that have played for the Vancouver Canucks to win the Hobie Baker Trophy. Most recently, prior to him, was uh, Ryan Miller, who, of course, did it with Michigan State. And did so by leading the nation in scoring. 30 goals, 60 points. Terrific college career. What have you made from Adam Gaudet in the National Hockey League in his very short tenure now at the Vancouver Canucks. Well, there have certainly been some encouraging signs. I uh, I think that he's played his game, which is something that I find especially uh, encouraging if you're a Canucks fan. You don't want to see players come in here and try and change it up, try to adapt to the NHL game at the expense of what's made them a successful player historically. And if you look at Adam Gaudet, he had a really good hit in Thursday's game. Uh, there were a couple shifts there where he had some really good setups and speed. Uh, I like the way that he creates space for his line mates by driving the net. 
that. His offensive toolkit is really something to to behold. It's it's very well rounded. He can shoot. Uh, even with Northeastern, he did a lot of his work in the high slot near the point. Uh, we're seeing him in Vancouver doing a lot of the work below the hash marks as well. Uh, he, he really seems to get around the ice. And that's something that I like about him. He's got good hustle, and you're going to need that if you're going to be a center at the NHL level. And he's looked the part. I haven't at any point thought to myself, this is somebody in and above his head. And, uh, you know, the Canucks, they wanted Brock Besser to start this season in the AHL, going back to the summer. I think they probably came into this this experiment with Adam Gaudet this year, thinking that they might do something similar with him. Uh, but if he keeps this up, he might have to. they might have to reconsider, because he looks the part of an NHL fourth-line center. And I know, and, and everybody's guilty of this, media, fans, etc. The expectations were set a little bit high. You'd hear things like the Ryan Kessler comparison. If Adam Gaudet can step in right out of college and be a fourth-line center, that's not where it ends. That's not the end of the story. That's a good beginning. That's a foundation. That's somewhere where he can stay in the NHL, contribute, and learn how to do things the proper way, uh, whether that's being surrounded with the right pros and you know getting the experience to be with the Sedins for as long as he has, even just four games. You know that's going to leave a lasting impression, uh, and how could it not? So I've been encouraged with his game, and I think that he's even done enough so far to convince me that he might be somebody who can play in the bottom six as soon as next season in something of a permanent role. Of course, sort of like a few other younger Canucks players, you want to see the results follow. Eventually, you get sick of talking about process because it only gets you so far. And uh, luckily, we're only four games into the Adam Gaudet ex- experiment. You know, So the time is on his side. There's no rush there. But if he keeps playing the way that he is, he keeps generating shots, keeps playing well defensively, you know the points are going to come. So, so far, good things from Gaudet. And that's a pretty good return on a fifth-round pick. Yep. Uh, needless to say, I like the fact that Goddard... should get more of those. <laughs> I, feel like the, I like the fact that Goddard goes to the net. And yeah, it sounds yeah. like an easy thing, but we've, we've witnessed how long it can take to ingrain that into other players on a consistent basis. Look at Gold Oban. and Or even Jake Vertanen. They're just learning it. And it's going there with authority. And, you know, for God, Daddy's still rounding out his physical stature and his frame. Mm -hmm. But he's using his size a little bit now. And the opportunities, as you say, J.D., they will follow him there. And Mm -hmm. there have been a couple of near misses already. But I like the fact that he has that built in him, it seems, to put himself in good position to finish a play or uh, on a direct pass or get a second chance and be part of what the Canucks, I think, lack a little bit is some of that gusto in the blue paint or right around the front of the, the goal crease and right around the the, the net area. And it, it's encouraging to me that Godet will be able to take from this opportunity of playing four or five games for the National Hockey League Canucks, go into the offseason, recognize Boy, this is a man's game. It is a whole lot faster. Here's where I fit in pretty quickly. Here's where I need to improve if I can in the offseason. I think that big part of that is strength. And I'll be anxious to see what the young man does between ending this season tonight and beginning next. And I think it would be terrific if a roster spot vacated by Henrik Sedin turns out to be an opportunity for a young guy like Adam Gaudet. Speaking of opportunities... There will be a playoff team to follow with ties to the Vancouver Canucks. That is the Utica Comets, who play this evening as well. And Cole Lind is a guy that is starting to get more attention, finishing his WHL season with the Kelowna Rockets much more quickly than many suspected at the hands of Tri-City. But to the Comets' benefit, because he's into the lineup, getting his feet wet at pro and in the American Hockey League before the playoffs come around, this is game three for him, if I'm not mistaken, tonight in a Comets uniform. And that has to be encouraging for the Canucks as well to recognize there are players that continue to be brought forth and groomed out of a draft class. And and that succession of... of NHL draft picks made by the Canucks that are going to be joining the Comets. It doesn't just stop at Lind either. And Linden in by itself 
in and of itself, rather, is quite something for Canucks fans to see a second-round pick going back to last June. He's already playing professional hockey, and after just a, a special season for the Kelowna Rock, it's like you said, cut a bit shorter than most suspected it would, but uh, that's just the way the playoffs go. It's a fickle beast. Uh, Lucas Jasic joined the comments. I think he has six points now in three games of action, playing on their top line when I last spoke to Corey Hergot, uh, better known as Canucks, or sorry, Comets Corey, does an excellent job covering the team, and he's going to have your recap today on Canucks Army for the Utica Comets game. But you know what's really interesting is the Canucks, they were saying uh, Jim Benning, uh, speaking to the media this week, suggested that Jonathan Dallin is earmarked for a spot in the Utica Comets lineup through their playoff run after uh, Dolan played an instrumental role in getting Timra to come back from a 3-1 deficit in the Allsvenskan to move up to the SHL. Great story. Uh, Canucks Army's Ryan Beach actually captured Elias Pedersen upon receiving the news in his SHL playoffs, getting a bit emotional. So great storyline there, and you just hope that Dolan's going to be able to come over to the Comets and have an instant impact. Uh, TPS Turku eliminated recently. So Oli Ulevi and Petrus Palmu, there's been no word from the organization about their intention for those two prospects, but one has to think that there is a good bet we'll see at least one of them make their way over to the Utica Comets. I lean more towards Oli Ulevi, but who knows, maybe you'll see both of them. Uh, good time to be following the Comets, good time to be a Canucks fan, lots of encouraging signs from on the farm, and uh, Canucks aren't going to be in the playoffs, the Comets are, and that's going to be one heck of a run, and Canucks Army has you covered all the way through it. And part of what's to come for the Canucks is Thatcher Demko. Again, fantastic to see him in action against the Columbus Blue Jackets last week. Pick up the win in overtime, albeit a little bit of a collapse there, but is still uh, a winner in his first, very first NHL start. And I like the poise of which he played with. I think mm-hmm. he provides a lot of confidence in net. I know that's one NHL game. It's speaking about how he plays in the American League. And lo and behold, he... Drops the gloves, apparently, tonight in the game that we were just talking about. Thatcher Demko? Yeah. Yeah. Dusts off a little Dan Cloutier magic and uh, gets gets the knuckles dirty. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I thought Cluche was going to help him, you know, develop his game a little bit, become an NHL-level goalie. I wasn't expecting him to give boxing lessons, but uh, given Dan Cluche's history, I suppose I shouldn't be too surprised that Demko is putting down and throwing down the myths. I don't think that's something you need to see him do a lot, but invested in in the uh, the drive for the Comets. They're playing against Syracuse, so potential. that is a big rivalry and yeah. potential first-round opponent. And, uh, boy, I'd love to see Thatcher Demko carry the mail in the playoffs for the Utica Comets uh, selfishly to get an, an enhanced look at what the young man can do with a little bit more pressure and the weight of elimination uh, up against him as well, and it, it's good to see the fire. I was there's another debut that I was very impressed with in Thatcher Demko, and as you suggest, JD, uh, they continue to roll in perhaps for the Comets. Other names that potentially you mentioned, Dolan. Like, would it surprise you to see Ole Ulevi? No, not at all. In the American I, League, I think it behooves the Canucks to get him those reps because Ole Ulevi. If if you follow the Canucks prospects in any capacity, or if you follow even along with Ryan Beach's coverage, which is absolutely excellent, uh, whether it's the gifts or the insights that he provides, something that keeps coming up with Ole Ulevi and something that you would hope was going to work its way out of his game this year in TPS Turku was the fact that uh, he has good weeks, he has great weeks, he has awful weeks. And for him to become an everyday NHLer, he's going to have to learn how to consistently bring it on an everyday basis. And I think the more professional reps he gets, uh, the quicker he's going to kind of make that a part of his game, make that a hallmark of his game, be the steady player that the Canucks hoped they'd acquired with the fifth overall pick back in 2016. Uh, the potential is there. I mean, when only Ua Levy is on his game. He has the ability to take over. And we saw that in the World Juniors, especially in that game against the Czech Republic. He said to reporters afterwards, uh, the real shame of it all, getting eliminated, was that he thought he was playing his best hockey in two years. Well, that was his best game of the tournament in the quarters. Oh, yeah. And he had it needed to be. It needed, yeah, I'm not, he did have a good tournament. But you expect that as a guy that's been there for a third time. And a like, fifth this overall is, pick. This is a mature, mature uh, player. Who should excel at that tournament, quite frankly, mm-hmm. uh, when you're positioned for a third appearance, which is 
doesn't come along very often in, yep. at the World Juniors. Well, and, and the good thing about Ua Levy is we talk about his performance at the Juniors. Uh, and if you go back to last season in the OHL, he was excellent in the playoffs for the London Knights. And that first round matchup against the Windsor Spitfires, he was up against Mikhail Sergachev, somebody who I advocated for as a fifth overall pick at the Canucks for the Canucks at that draft table. And he outplayed him. He he totally took over that series. And you see it again at the World Juniors. Uh, I heard he was really good for TPS Turku in the Liga playoffs. He seems to bring it when the games matter the most. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that the consistency of being able to do it on game 10 as opposed to just game 82. That's what the Canucks need to bring out in him because last training camp was a disaster. Let's not miss, mince words. That was a really grim training camp for Ole Ulevi, and I've been as high on him as a prospect as anybody in the market, but those are just the objective facts, so I think getting him those extra reps, getting him more acclimated to the North American professional game, it's absolutely in the Canucks' best interest, and certainly in Ole Ulevi's. Should be a fun ride to watch. The Utica oh, yeah. Comets, who are going to get uh, others from the Canucks, uh, made available when the season ends tonight. Uh, of course, Ashton Sautner will be uh, headed back to Comets territory. Reed Boucher, unfortunately, with a broken hand, is not expected to be back anytime soon. But Tyler, uh, Mott. Tyler Mott yeah. will be joining the American Hockey League affiliate. And uh, Nikolai Goldolbin will talk Goldie. And Jake Furtan, and we come back. Nation Network Radio, our number two continues. Presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 10. And the Canucks have continued to win hockey games, which affects their position in the standings. But they do so in the final week by putting together memorable performances with the Twins front and center. And at least for a week, everybody, or most people, are forgetting about the standings, the draft lottery, what needs to change with the hockey team, and focusing on the embrace they have for 22 and 33. And that certainly concludes this evening. As uh, we can tell Sadine stories all evening long and have reflected all week on Henrik and Daniel. Uh, J.D., you were mentioning that that is the Canucks era for you, and um, you would not be alone in that. Just great to see... The Thursday home game be so meaningful and have both Henrik and Daniel be so impactful in the outcome of that game. What a way to finish off in front of the home fans. Uh, and the feelings were mutual. Sedin's treating us and uh, the fans doing a fantastic job of making sure the Sedins are sent out from a Vancouver perspective on a high and they'll look to follow that up tonight we're talking about the future after Daniel and Henrik Sedin Nikolai Goldobin JD is a name that will continue to come up between now and next season and of course likely to be a hot topic at training camp didn't make the team this time around this past season out of training camp, had to go down to Utica, rounded out his game, we were told, and certainly by all accounts in, in the American Hockey League, he did just about everything. Uh, forget about being a point-a-game producer, as he has been in his career there, including with the Sharks affiliate, but killing penalties, starting to become a little bit more aware defensively and trying to get some reads down pat that way. Has he improved enough to suggest he can be a bigger part of the future with the Canucks compared to what we saw at the beginning of this year? Well, you look at somebody producing seven points in their last ten games, and uh, usually when you see something like that, there's a lot of luck involved. Uh, a lot of shooting percentage swings, save percentage swings, and certainly Goldobin has been on the receiving end of some good puck luck. You look at that goal the other day, he makes a really great deflection midair against the Vegas Golden Knights, but even so, 99 times out of 100, Subban's going to have his back leg against the post. That's not going to go in. That is a flute goal. But for the most part, when you look at what he's doing on the ice in terms of his control of shots, the Canucks are doing very well defensively with Goldobin on the ice. And even his own shot generation numbers are up. So he's putting the puck on net more often. Uh, the quality of his shots is going up per his expected goals pace. So everything under the hood tells me that he is not just on the receiving end of good luck. That's a part of it. He is also creating his 
his own luck. And that's a big part of it to me. And it's as simple as knowing when to take what the opposition gives you sometimes and knowing when to take a parachute. When to just pull pull parachute on the play and get the puck back to your blue liner, reestablish possession in the offensive zone. Uh, he's going to the middle of the ice, too. I mean, that goal against the Golden Knights where he pokes the puck past Cody Eakin. And then uh, what a deceptive release. If you look at that goal, it actually looks from the goalie's perspective, they had a, a view of that from behind the net. Like, he's going to go uh, glove side, and then he goes blocker. So, really, really good shot by Goldobin on that play. Uh, I've been extremely encouraged, and a big part of this for me goes into the off-ice stuff. And I've been saying all year that a lot of what Sven Berchi is doing, his counting stats are a bit inflated, and that's problematic because he's an RFA with arbitration rights. Uh, he has the Canucks in a situation where he can ask for a contract that is likely beyond his means to produce next season and beyond, uh, especially given his age. He's not young. He's going to be, I think, 26 next season. Uh, listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, as you so often do, but uh, it's a situation where I think the Canucks need to be able to readjust their course on Sven Berchi and having the levity that uh, a first-line contributor like Goldobin can be an ace in the hole for them. It can be a situation where they go, we're comfortable to move on from a Berchi to address an area, area of positional need, to address an area where they need draft picks, uh, to give them even more cap space because you can never have too much of the stuff. If Goldobin keeps producing for the Canucks at the beginning of next year the way he has to finish off this season, that void has been filled and then some. So I think it's encouraging in terms of what he's doing in the short term. Long term, I think that this is a huge benefit to the Canucks at the negotiating table this summer where they don't really have to acquiesce to unreasonable demands if Berchie's camp wants to take it in that direction. So uh, just a, a great storyline. And, and if you ask me, I think that Nikolai Goldobin, where he is now as opposed to where he was at the beginning of the year, this is Travis Green's best developmental success of the season because he had to go to places he wasn't willing to go. He used the stick all year with Goldobin. He would go to the media to talk about why Goldobin was sitting. Uh, things that you wouldn't usually do. It was very much the tough love thing that Travis Green's been known for. Jake Vertanen brought it up at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jordan Subban even a little bit. But after he scratched him in that early March game against the Coyotes and he brought him back March 11th, his numbers have been sterling, and a big part of that is because Travis Green is giving Goldobin opportunities to succeed as opposed to putting him in situations where he's going to prove the coach right by failing in a bottom six role. So a lot of credit is due to Goldobin, but also Travis Green. Well, I can think back not too long ago suggesting the time is now for Goldobin because because of the injuries, roster spots are wide open and being elevated to play on a top line is not necessarily a role that Goldobin is going to be gifted come next year. So the time is now for Goldobin to seize these opportunities. Uh, I'm with you that he seems to be uh, lately doing more of that. Uh, I'd like to use see him use his shot more effectively. And uh, you and I had talked about this in past shows, J.D. In my opinion, it was understanding the high percentage play is not always the one where he gets to use his skill. And that's likely yeah. difficult to learn because he does have so much offensive flair. But uh, as as you put it, and I'll reiterate, it's sometimes it's getting the puck deep, recognizing the change needs to happen. And doubling back instead of turning the puck over and leaving your team with a dog's breakfast to uh, ingest and dissect before uh, potentially going back the other direction. When it comes to Goldobin, do you see him on the left or the right? Or does it matter? Uh, I, I don't know if it necessarily matters for his game. He's such a playmaker. Everybody wants to talk about his high-end offense, and uh, certainly he has a great shot. We saw that against the Vegas Golden Knights on that Cody, uh, that goal where he deked out Cody Eakin. Excellent shot. That release was extremely deceptive. I don't think he got enough credit for that, but at the end of the day, and this is part of why I've always been in his corner, he's a playmaker, and that's a skill the Canucks don't have in their lineup. Uh, I think he can do it on either half wall. We've seen it at both ends. Uh, one thing I wanted to get back to on the defensive side of things is a lot of people have this kind of linear idea of what it means to play well defensively and I don't think that it applies to every player a lot of people thought 
think about what a player does in the defensive zone. That, to me, in the stats community, we call that their defensive impact. What they do at all ends of the ice, that is their defensive value. And the fact that Nikolai Goldobin is starting to backtrack with such efficiency, have you noticed the way that he's really keeping with his man, the way that play transitions back into the Canucks zone? He's never going for that ugly change. And he used to do that as recently as three weeks ago. So I think the fact that he's learning how to provide defensive value without necessarily being an imposing player when the cut the, when the puck is in his zone, that is one of the things that's really stuck out to me for Goldobin too. And needs to, quite frankly, continue down this path uh, to try and prove that he is an everyday NHLer and not a guy that needs press box motivation. And my first thought is I wish there was more hockey to play for him, and there is, because of the Utica Comets. So I think yep. that's a terrific situation that Goldobin is going into. Jake Furtan, ahead of the second hour finishing here, J.D., is another guy that seems to be in flux a little bit and has also been presented with an incredible opportunity to be jockeyed around the lineup a little bit more because of some of the injuries. Yeah, the, Jake Vertanen is... He's really been kind of this mercurial player. Like he, it's, it's been a process for the Canucks coaching staff to work with Jake Vertanen to get him to realize what a talent he is and where his talents are best used. And uh, one of the things that is encouraging to me is that he's starting to take the puck to the net and he's not shying away as soon as there's contact initi- initiated by the opposition defender. Uh, sometimes he takes what the defense give him. Other times he'll go for the wraparound. I think that's something we talked a little bit off the air. Not exactly a high percentage play, but one thing I like about that is it's going to lead to the Canucks main Maintaining possession a lot more than a bad shot from the half wall or somebody driving the puck to the net when they don't have a chance of really getting it there. Uh, the problem with Jake Vertanen, and I keep coming back to this, and I hate to keep coming back to this because I want to see development in this part of his game. How many of the Jake Vertanen scoring chances do you see where he's got a line mate within 15 feet of him? How often do you see him finishing a passing play, starting a passing play, really using the entirety of his line mates to create offensive plays and it's easy enough to get swayed by those moments where he drives the net, puts his shoulder down, dekes out a defenseman they happen but they don't really result in goals, they don't result in assists, they don't even result in sustained offensive zone time to the extent that drives like that should and Eventually, we got to stop using the the kitty, uh, the kitty gloves for Vertanen here. He's he's 21 years old and he's got 20 points in 74 games. He's played the third most games of any Canuck forward. I think there are encouraging signs, but I'm still not ready to really get that enthusiastic about Vertanen's game because you have to produce. and And it's like we talked about Goldobin. It's now or never. 20 games and 74 points is a fourth-line pace. I think we need to be really careful about getting too overwhelmed by the fact that he's driving the net because it's not resulting in a difference in terms of his point production. He had 13 points in 55 games two seasons ago. 20 and 74, is that the progression that the Canucks need from Jake Vertanen? No, I think that we need to not patronize him with these low expectations where it's if he's driving the net everybody's happy we need to see him start putting together goals we need to see him start working with his line mates and as encouraged as I am by the fact that he's driving the net he's taking the puck through the neutral zone I need to see more from him I really do because he's a huge part of the Canucks rebuild and you look at some of the players taken after him the onus is on the Canucks to make that pick come to life and be of value to them and so far I think that there's just not been a lot there. Net front on the power play is a big one for me. And the question marks with both Vertanen and Goldobin is how do they pencil in when there's a full complement next season? Have they worked themselves into bigger roles? Do they continue to need to work themselves into uh, those roles next year? Or uh, for in the, in the context of a guy like Jake, is he going to be utilized to more of a bottom six guy with Travis Green after this season is done. We have a bonus half hour for you as Nation Network Radio leads you right into Whitecaps coverage. So back on the other side to once again talk further on the Sedins finishing off a fantastic, uh, brilliant, remarkable, uh, legendary career in Vancouver 
And uh, pay our respects to the Humboldt Broncos. It is John Abbott, J.D. Burke, Nation Network Radio, presented by Shark Club on TSN 1040. This game was special to us. I think this is always our last game, but uh, uh, I think at, at home it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit more special. Uh, our fans was, uh, was great, and, and they really enjoyed enjoy that night, that's for sure. You guys have always had a lot of success uh, in this city. I mean, I think there's more points against the Oilers than any other team. Uh, that was in the old building, though. Yeah, <laughs> this not so much. Uh, yeah, no, we had a lot of battles with this team and, and uh, would you like to bring that ice back from old Northlands because it yeah. was the best ice in the league and yeah, your passes always stayed flat and like Hendrick said you guys looked fast yeah that's yeah. true but the other, the other players looked faster so yeah 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 no it's uh, it's been a it's been a good good building for us and, and uh, a lot of good battles yeah exactly and they talked about a lot of other players too, so. uh, it wasn't one, one player it was a lot of players so do you, do you remember game one in Philly Hendrick said it was just great to survive that was a pretty rough and tumble team back yeah then. that was a tough been started for sure, but uh, we we got slowly got better and uh, and uh, worked our way into this league. So with a lot a lot of help of our teammates too for sure. But uh, that was a tough start. Yeah. That first game, were you thinking it was so physical, like you didn't want to be there, or you just figured it would be that way every night? Yeah, no, I mean that's that was a league back then too. So it wasn't mm-hmm. there were other buildings too that were equally as tough. But uh, that's the way the game was played back then, and, and uh, you have to adjust adjust and, and get better. That's uh, that was our mindset uh, uh, day in and day out to get better. Daniel Sedin on the morning before his final game, not only of the season, but in his National Hockey League career. Our thanks to Jeff Patterson for putting that together. On the careers of Daniel and Henrik Sedin coming to a close in Edmonton. I think Daniel said it best there as we bring you back to Nation Network Radio. Powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. John Abbott, J.D. Burke with you until 5.30 ahead of the uh, Caps game against Real Salt Lake. Fittingly that it ended so well on home ice on Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. Tough to top this evening against the Edmonton Oilers. 84 points apiece in their careers for Henrik and Daniel against the Edmonton Oilers. Daniel, who we just heard from, has 37 goals among those 84 points. Reminiscing about the good old days against Edmonton and uh, driving the Oilers nuts. You already mentioned uh, the shift. My favorite memory of the Sedins will be uh, getting a front row seat and being able to broadcast Henrik's 1,000th point against Luongo and the Panthers. And then taking in that game on Thursday. Just, it doesn't seem real that tonight is it for Henrik and Daniel. But I wish them the best. If there's ever a way to duplicate Thursday's performance, I would hope for that tonight. That's going to be difficult. I don't think Thursday could have gone any better. Just a perfect night. Perfect night. And How lucky were you to be in the building? How lucky were we to get to follow their careers for as long as we have? Uh, be interesting to see if they're not completely emotionally drained by Thursday. <laughs> you know, see how much is left in the tank for this, this game against the Oilers. But uh, they've just had so much success in that city. Like you said, 84 points apiece. And we had Cam Lewis from Oilers Nation and the Nation Network on the show earlier. He was saying that, he would hate to see the Sedins close out their careers with a different point total against the Oilers. So if one of them scores tonight, you better have the other one in on that goal. That's what I'm looking for. Change the way the game is played in some aspects. Uh, the way the power plays are executed. Todd McClellan this morning uh, confiding in the members of the media, which means that everybody will know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh. That one of his power play Drills is the Sedin drill with the high tip. And that's how the team refers to it. And uh, coaches around the league refer to that. And you may not, you may think of a younger generation of players also changing the face of the National Hockey League. And it's hard to ignore that. Guys like Patrick Kane, who no doubt play a different way, play at a faster pace, come in and have done things that we wouldn't necessarily expect from a guy of that stature. And as part of this new generation of players moving forward, well, they complement for the Sedins, acting as icons to guys like Patrick Kane to build their game around some of the things that they saw Henrik and Daniel do. And so they, they have influenced the game 
heavily, even maybe mm-hmm. more than some realize. And you've said it, I've said it, Hall of Famers Henrik and Daniel Sedin playing their final National Hockey League game tonight. Dave Tomlinson will be around on the post game as will uh, Blake Price to recap the Canucks, Oilers, and Cher Sedin uh, memories and perhaps Sedin moments from Game 82. J.D. and I talking about what's ahead for the Vancouver Canucks and touched on a number of the prospects that are in the pipeline, some present with the Canucks like a Gaudette, some like a Cole Lind, part of the Yucatan Comets who are going to the American Hockey League playoffs, others yet to show up. You had an interesting question posed to me during the break, so I'm, I'm going to out you here and put you on the spot. I think it's a, a great debate to have right now. Yeah, it, thanks. I, I appreciate it. I think it's a pretty good question, too, for the Canucks. Who is the better asset in their system right now, Jake Vertanen or Nikolai Goldobin? And i got to give a shout-out to uh, Twitter follower at uh, CrownRoyal22 for uh, first positing that question on Thursday. I saw it. It stuck with me. Where do you stand on this one? Uh, that is a difficult <laughs> answer. It's a tough one. <laughs> I, I, I lean to Jake. Jake. Oh, geez. That was funny. I was just saying I lean towards Goldobin. I lean to Jake because Goldobin's still a bit of a wild card for me. I mean, he's coming into the final year of his contract. Yes, he has... He's fine-tuned his game here. He's getting more opportunity that he so desperately wanted. But what happens when we're another year down the road, another training camp? Is he going to be able to perform consistently? Is he going to get a spot in the top six? Is he going to be effective with less ice time, less opportunity, perhaps? I mean, I hey, never say never. He might start the season beside Bo Horvat, but I would be doubtful that that would take place. So he, Goldobin, needs to be up for the challenge of doing some of the things that are working well for him now, but executing potentially with few less minutes and maybe not top power play billing you know it depends on how drastic things change for the Vancouver Canucks in their approach and in their roster so to, I'm going to lean Vertanen a little bit here Goldobin has the better points per game pace playing fewer minutes playing fewer games uh, if they played a full season I think that Goldobin would be at about 32 points Jake Vertanen closer to 22 I mean that's uh, I don't know if you want to say that's necessarily concerning for Jake or encouraging for Goldobin, perhaps somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I, I really lean towards Goldobin right now, and I think it's a matter of ceiling. Uh, you talk about what happens when they play in the bottom of the Canucks lineup, and uh, there's something to that because if there are, the opportunity isn't there for Goldobin to be a first liner like he's been lately with Bo Horvat, uh, that changes the calculus entirely. But the thing to consider here is that the Canucks have no shortage of bottom sixers. Uh, finding those type of players that hasn't been difficult for the Canucks. In fact, you could almost argue that they've got nine people who kind of fit that description in their lineup right now. Uh, if Jake Vertanen finishes his career a third liner, are the Canucks really that? much better off because he's producing like a fourth liner right now. Uh, to me, not really. I think you're talking about rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Gold Dobin, on the other hand, we've seen in these last few games that he can work with line mates. Some of the setups he's had with Bo Horvat, there's some real chemistry there. I think that if you tell me Jake Vertanen can be consistently a bottom six player, that's great. Goldobin can be a first liner, I think. It's not a sure thing. I'm not saying he is now, but he's got that offensive potential, that game-breaking potential, something that the Canucks so desperately need. That is why, for me, Goldobin is a better asset of the two. I'm just so intrigued, and we haven't played, you know, the final game of this season hasn't been played, and here I am talking about next year, but just the approach, the approach that Travis Green takes, because not that these games are meaningless. There, there are different ways to soak out the final drops of this season. And, yeah, some of it equates back to putting players on the spot to see what you get out of them mm-hmm. and to continue to develop them. But, I mean, as of game one next year, games mean a whole lot more. Yeah, and I'm convinced that that coach believes he will start the season with an effort to make the playoffs Yeah, and, until something changes that. So if that's what is, if that's the expectation, 
Where does Goldobin fit in then, and how does Goldobin respond? Well, Goldobin is going to require waivers, too. That's another interesting wrinkle to this. Uh, And we actually have an answer to our our kind of impromptu poll question here. Uh, Get a text from Peter in Vancouver. Answer to your poll, regular season, maybe Goldie. Playoffs, definitely Jake Vertanen. Thanks, Peter. Uh, thank you, Peter. I have time for that answer because once the games get uh, a little bit more intense, obviously you want somebody who's going to bring the physicality the way that Jake Vertanen does. So I have a lot of time for that argument. Uh, next season, it's going to be interesting because it's so hard to predict. The Canucks have so many moves ahead of them. There's just no way that they go through this offseason without some level of upheaval. Unlike last year, unlike the year before, there's going to be a serious rearranging of that lineup with all the cap space available to them. And uh, it's it's early to say. That's all I'm going to... I say, Jake, because, listen, if he's effective in the top six, fantastic. Then he is living up to what most people had when they drafted him, when the Canucks drafted him where they did. I don't think it's going to happen. If he excels in the bottom six, then maybe he fulfills his destiny as a power forward a little bit more. And the Canucks can truly develop a different look if he's beside a guy like Adam Gaudet, maybe. Potentially not next year, but maybe further down the line. So I, I just see more wiggle room for Jake Fertana. I see less of that for Nikolai Goldobin. When you talk about Adam Gaudet, he's already got better hockey sense than Vertan. And some of those quick plays in transition, you see the setup the other night where he gets his teammate when they're just kind of getting a, some pressure against the half wall in the Golden Knights zone. Uh, there's a lot to like there already. I, I just, I don't know. I think we're seeing Vertan and he is what he is. He's going to be a third liner most of his career and it can always allow for the possibility of more. I just don't think it's the probability bet. By the way, JD and I will have a season rap show next Saturday where we will dive deeper into the state of the Union of the Vancouver Canucks once the locker cleanout is completed early uh, this coming week after tonight's hockey game, of course. And we will uh, be able to get to more of those players and more of those topics in a week's time today. As we described it, a, a different show, no hard blueprint. We'll continue to talk Canucks and the Sedines for about 15 more minutes as we take you up to 5.30 and the start of the Whitecaps game. But as always, uh, thoughts continue to be with those in Humboldt and uh, the 15 lost in the bus accident. This is Nation Network Radio presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on TSN 1040. Canucks taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Game 82, Daniel and Henrik Sedin play their final game in the National Hockey League. Hard to believe again that we are saying that, but indeed it is true can only hope that it goes as well as Thursday night did at home against the Arizona Coyotes. A simply fantastic send-off um, in every sense as the Twins bid farewell to their home fans. And they do so even matching up goals, assists, and numbers on the scoreboard uh, with the time of goals. It was perfection. For two players that have exuded that uh, through their Canucks careers. Nation Network Radio, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. Still time to get to some of your reaction, whether it is Sedin related or otherwise. We're going to dive into the inbox, JD. That's right. And we got a question here from uh, Dave in Victoria. He asks, Who's this kid, Lucas Jasek in Utica, and where did he come from? Uh, good question. Lucas Jasek, he's a Canucks draft pick. I think he was from the same draft year as Bo, or sorry, Brock Besser. Rather, I think sixth round pick, 174th overall in 2015. Uh, Lucas Jask was somebody that Canucks Army, I remember going back to our draft coverage, was fairly high on that pick, which might sound funny for a, a sixth rounder, but... The thing that stuck out to us when we did our analysis was that he was playing in a men's league at 17 years old, and that is an exceptionally good sign for anybody who's a prospect in their draft year. As soon as you're playing against men, your draft odds increase by about 20% usually when we use draft analytics. So we've always been fairly interested in the arc of Lucas Jasek. Canucks retain his rights right till next summer, June 1st, 2019. Uh, What really happened, though, was after the Canucks drafted him, they had plans. They wanted to get him over to the CHL in the import draft, and certainly he would have gone very high 
in the import draft and played for a CHL team if it were not for the contract that he was under with HC Osolari Trinek in the Czech Extra Liga. And he didn't get the opportunities the Canucks would have loved to get him love to see him get because that would have helped his development. The problem is in the Czech Extra Liga, they have a minimum requirement of young players under 20 that each team has to have on their roster and sometimes people get lost in the shuffle and I think that's what happened to Lucas Jasic with Osolari Trinek. Perhaps it just didn't work with the coach. For whatever reason, he was their kind of one player that helped them meet that requirement for the Extra Liga. This year though, he signs with Billy Tigre Liberec. He has 18 points in 48 games by all accounts playing exceptional hockey. He had a big role in their success going far in the European Champions League. Uh, And since joining the Utica Comets, he's got six points in three games, including two goals. Uh, Seems to be working really well with another player who's on a tryout, Tanner McMaster. Uh, Corey Hergott's got all your coverage for the Utica Comets, and he'll keep you up to date on that. So, uh, worthwhile question on Lucas Canucks Army. Canucks Army, yep. And uh, worthwhile question about Lucas Jasek and... It's he's going to be an interesting guy to follow in the playoffs. Absolutely, looking forward to that. You had one more there. You were sitting on, I think, right? That's right. That's right. We got one from uh, Peter in Vancouver, and this one goes storybook ending for the Sedins the other night. But I'm sorry, that win could end up damaging this team's rebuild irreparably unless they get hockey gods luck, and we know how that works for this team. They could now be drafting ninth and missing out on some of those top prospects that could have made the difference between this team improving or having a shot at being a contender. I hate to rain on the warm fuzzies, but the Sedins delayed a rebuild by two to three years, had a lot of input in those free agent signings, and now the team has found inspiration to win games for them right at the end. Just saying it ain't all peaches and cream. That is from Peter in Vancouver. Uh, I'm just going to respectfully disagree with about all of that. <laughs> I, I appreciate your input. Thanks so much for contributing to the show. Well, he's not wrong about the standings. He's not. Well, he's not wrong about that point, but I think there comes a point when there are things more important than your draft lottery odds, and the Sedins, I think, transcend that. Uh, I don't know about them influencing the team's decisions in free agency. The Sedins would have been game for a rebuild by all accounts. They are team guys first, and if it was told to them that this was for the benefit of the team, you know that they were going to be down with the rebuild and doing their best to contribute to it in whatever way possible. Uh, I will not have their name be be searched on this show. I I don't think that they are the excuse, the ace and the whole excuse that a lot of Canucks fans have for why this team hasn't rebuilt. I think that's a bit further up the ladder. Uh, I will try to phrase this or answer carefully. Um, I would love to have seen the Canucks finish 31st and yet still have the night like they did on Thursday for Henrik and Daniel and still get a win uh, for Thatcher Demko in his NHL debut. So I suppose, uh, you know, whether if they only had two wins and finished 31st, if that would be possible. But it's almost uh, difficult to handicap now because those games are in the past and yes they did continue to win and had started to win before uh, the Demcos and the Sedins finale came to be and so this is a Canucks club that is now in 26th with 72 points the Oilers are ahead of them in 25th with 76 points and I will say that my belief is the true rebuild doesn't start until Henrik and Daniel um have played their last game, which is tonight. So in some ways, I understand where Peter is going, but to put it all on the backs of 22 and 33 is the reason why you wouldn't win a draft lottery. I'm not so sure that's uh, where we could point with that. Regardless, let's enjoy tonight. Yep. And hope for the same type of output from Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Uh, It took a lot out of them. You could see it visibly. Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. They needed the timeout in overtime. Uh, They played fantastic games, but boy, did it take them to their very last uh, ounces of sweat and energy and everything. Uh, They poured it all out and left it all out there. Uh, Did they get the same type of treatment in Edmonton maybe not as heavy throughout the game maybe heavy later on I'm not sure the approach from Travis Green but I suppose if they uh, have rested up why not for one last night try and trot them out there as often as possible certainly in offensive situations to try to uh, again send them off 
with a fine farewell, much the way they did in Vancouver on Thursday. And like they deserve. I think they've earned that. They've been so good to this city, and, and that's something that should never get lost in this conversation, is all the charitable work they did. Uh, there was somebody speaking during the broadcast of the game on Thursday saying, what's it going to be like at the Canucks Children's Center, uh, the, the Children's Hospital, rather, sorry. And she said, quite, quite frankly, it's not going to change at all. They're going to be there every day next year, as often as they would have been this year, rather, not every day. And it really speaks to the quality of them as persons. And you know what? Never forget how lucky you were, if you're in Vancouver, to have been blessed with those two uh, as being a part of your favorite sports team, because you just don't find athletes like that. They are uh, above and beyond the call, off and on the ice. And for that, thank you, Sedins. Yes, using your own uh, version of the hashtag that is still going around. Thank you, Sedines. It was uh, front and present on the Thursday. It will continue to live on uh, through tonight's game. Again, Tomlinson and Price with you after the fact. If you'd like to comment on what occurs or send the Sedines off as well with a special post-game comment, uh, please do so. 604-280-1040, Email live at tsn1040.ca. Text them at 104040, the places to get a hold of Tomlinson and Blake Price for one final time. And a bit of a post-mortem as well. I know Blake Price and Matt Sakaris will do what is traditionally now the Canucks Wake coming up on uh, Monday Expected to be the locker cleanout day. JD and I will be back in a week's time on Saturday in our regular scheduled hours, 3 to 5, to bring you a Canucks breakdown on the season that was, get into individual players and how we see the team moving forward. And that'll be a show dedicated to your feedback in a week after the season finishes as well. But it is uh, what it is supposed to be about. Um, for this evening, Henrik and Daniel Sedin for one last time. And so uh, we certainly hope everyone can enjoy that. Uh, JD, ways to find us outside of tsn1040.ca, my friend. That's right. We're going to have an article up on canucksarmy.com, and you can check that out. It's going to have links to both of the TSN tweets where you can listen to the show on iHeartRadio. But you know what really helps the show is going into iTunes, finding the show, Nation Network Radio. Give it a five-star review. Heck, even a one-star review. At least it's getting exposure. Obviously, we prefer the former of those two and you can uh just find the show there subscribe and and whether you miss the show live it means you get a chance to listen to it next week and we thank everybody for bearing with us uh this was this was a difficult uh show to get through um not difficult to pay our respects with our thoughts and prayers to those in humboldt trying to do it as organically as possible just uh, without knowing uh, what the reaction would be or what the input would be or even what the details would be moving on an hour to hour basis since we thank you for letting us um try to do uh, the family and friends justice um in giving shining a light on their community through the National Hockey League, uh, which will continue to honor those right across the league in the games tonight. And uh, that is the way we will finish as well, with our respects to those uh, in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, the Broncos team, family and friends. Uh, rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers with you on behalf of all of us at Nation Network Radio, powered by Shark Club on TSN. 1040. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com.